Good morning, everyone. Uh, what I'd like to look at this morning is uh, Corinthians, uh, the church at Corinth. Um, maybe I'd call this the Corinth Gospel Chapel. I don't know. It's, uh, anyway, we know that, that the church at Corinth had some problems. Um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And uh, I think we'll just start at verse 10. It says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, uh, so that no one would say uh, you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. You know, I, I see these, these different uh, preachers, and um, I'm sure each one had some, some uh, you know, really good messages and, and uh, things to say. And, and so, uh, you know, these guys were good, and, and they really probably had a following because, because they were so good. They were able to really uh, explain the, explain. Uh, who Jesus was, and and really, uh, you know, have an outreach, and and, but I think of Corinth, and you just think about what Corinth was like. You know, uh, I I often think of Corinth as, as being like Las Vegas. Uh, Corinth was a was a sin city. It was a port port town, and there was it was well known for being really a raunchy town. Um, there was a lot of troubles there, and so to even have a church in that town at all, I think was a was a, a real gain. You know, and so. You know, when you think of, of these people almost idolizing these, these teachers, these um, uh, evangelists, you know, it, it makes you realize that uh, they were so, probably so starved for uh, the truth that, that the first person who, who brings them the truth is probably their God. You know, they, they really uh, felt, you know, uh, very highly of them, you know. And so... You know, one says, I'm a Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm Cephas, and, and I have Christ. And, and, and you stop and you think, oh, wait a minute. If they said, I'm of Christ, then that must be okay. Well, it wasn't really, they weren't really saying that they were uh, followers of Christ in, a, in obedience or anything like that. This, it says that this party uh, flaunted their liberty in Christ, and they disdained any attachment to any group. And so that's not right either. And so it's interesting because Paul opens up uh, 1 Corinthians with this, with this problem, and, and you think of, it must have been a fairly big problem, because he, you know, bang right off the front, right off the, the top of this letter, he starts talking about it, he says, man, we've got a problem here in, in Corinth, you guys, you guys, there, there's something wrong, but he, he moves on, he, he, he stops there, and uh, after he talks about the baptism thing, and he, and he moves on, but then it's like he circles back around, and he comes back to First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, and at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, starting with verse 1, 
uh, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, or another, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere men? And so we, we see that this problem is still, you know, really uh, weighing heavy on Paul's mind. He says, I've I got to address this again, right? He mentioned it at the, at the, the first part of the letter, and he says, you know, i got to come back to this. And so he, he brings it up again, and he says, I can't even speak to you people as, as spiritual people. And uh, from what I understand, Paul uh, had, had been in Corinth for, and I don't remember the exact amount now, but like between a year and three years, something like that, I think. So he'd been there for quite a while. You know, he had, he had had a chance to, to, to talk to him before he left. And then, then he heard about this, these problems. And I think, you know, being a, a preacher, Paul was probably upset. You know, he had, he had put so much into these people. He had, he had really uh, been concerned with them, you know, and yet it seemed like they just kind of fell apart. And he says, you know, I gave you milk to drink and, and not solid food uh, because you weren't able to receive it. And that's, that's natural. And, and, and when we think of, and then we, we think of milk, you know, I, I think of a, of a baby, obviously, and, <clears throat> and you think of the milk of the word basically as, as the gospel. You think of it as the, the very basic teachings that we have, and, and as a as a person off the street, you come in here and you, and you sit down and you start listening to what's going on. You you probably don't want to hear about you know deep theological uh, issues. You need you need the basics first, and and we all did that, right? Every one of us had to get the basics first. We had to figure out you know well what are the basics. Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, they gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You know, those to me, that's, that's the basic stuff, right? That's, that's what you, you got to get that first before we can go on. Before you can, that's, you know, that's, that's step one, Right? And then, you, and then you can move on from there. But if you don't get step one first, if you don't understand that part, there's no point in going on to step two. There's no point in going on to, to deeper studies. So how do we know what their problem was? Well, we see that they were, they were immature. They're underdeveloped spiritual babies. And their, their immaturity, how did we know that they're immature? How did Paul know that they were immature? Well, it was evidenced by the, by the jealousy and the strife they had in that church. And... What did that lead to? Well, it was also evidenced by their uh, idolizing of, of Paul in, in, uh, instead of God. They were putting way too much emphasis on Paul or uh, Apollos or, or one of the other uh, evangelists, right? They were, they were saying, oh, I'm of a, I'm a this guy. You know, this guy, is, he's my favorite. You know, this, I'm going to worship him. I'm going you know, to believe everything he says. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to idolize him. That's wrong. Who should we be idolizing? God, right? And... I'd like us to turn to uh, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to come back here, but I'm just going to turn to Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. 
For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now remember, the deeds of the flesh, this is what you know, Paul's saying, hey, these, this is a problem that you guys are having. And I'm sure that when Paul was there, matter of fact, you know, when he was there for that long a time, I about guarantee that he went over these things with the, with the Corinthians, with the uh, Corinthian Gospel Chapel. He said, okay, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And so we really see this. This is exactly what they were exhibiting was the deeds of the flesh. We see that they had strife and jealousy. That was, that was the thing that, that Paul immediately saw, right? He said, this is what you're, this is what you're exhibiting, is strife and jealousy. And so I think of, you know, Paul says he, he wasn't able to start giving them solid food. And I think of a baby, you know, when they start eating solid food, they don't immediately, you know, dig into, you know, steak and potatoes, right? Maybe potatoes, but not the steak, right? It, it takes a little while before a baby can, can handle that, right? And so I think of what are some of the uh, meatier uh, parts of Scripture? What are the, what are the things that, that come later? After, after you're saved, that's, that's when they need to come, not before you're saved. But after you're saved, there's, there's things, there's subjects that for us to chew on, for us to, to think about. And we don't always agree on everything, but at least we are to study these things and to think about these things and think about what God's Word says about these things. And I think I'm, I just listed some of these, um, and, and I don't want you at all to think that I'm not discounting or, or downgrading or anything, the gospel or salvation or anything like that. I'm just saying that has to come first. The gospel has to come first. The salvation has to come first. Then you can do this other stuff. So that these additional truths are uh, things like baptism by immersion, the Holy Spirit in, tr- in the Trinity, spiritual gifts, uh, men's and women's roles in the church, uh, church leadership. You know, I was thinking about spiritual gifts. What are the purposes? What's the purpose of spiritual gifts? What, what are they for? You know, everything that, that, that Paul uh, did that, that we can see in, in his writings and everything was all about edification of the church, right? It was, it was to edify us. It was to build us up. It was, it was to, to get people on the same page. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 19 says, In the church I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may also instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. You know, some people get off on tongues. They get off on these, these other things to, to think about and to, to talk about and that sort of thing. But they miss the whole point. The whole point is edification of the church. The whole point is for us to, to grow and to grow together in unity. 
you know, I think, well, what other uh, more solid food type discussions could we have? Well, the inerrancy of the scriptures. Um, and I, I love, I love this verse here. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, now, uh, verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at uh, Antioch in Iconium and at uh, Lystra, or Lystra, or whatever. Uh, what persecutions I endured, and out of them uh, all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. That's an that's a important verse to remember, isn't it? You know, uh, if we're really living for Christ, you can expect to be persecuted. You can expect things to, be, to happen to you. So don't feel like you're, you know, the lone ranger and that, you know, that you're just being picked on. This is, this is common to all, all who believe in the Lord Jesus. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and be become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If you're not reading the Scripture, if we're not looking at God's Word, anything goes. Whatever somebody comes up with, you can say, oh, yeah, that, that might be true. You know, you've got to compare everything that anybody comes up with against God's Word, right? You compare it and say, is that what God's Word really says? You know, and I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of people is that they just, they trust people too much. I, I guess, I, I'm maybe not as trusting as some people. I, I, I if somebody tells me something, I, I want to make sure I can believe it. Because I, you know, you, through life, you work with people and you, you're around people and you realize that some people just don't have all the facts, right? And so it's, it's important that, that we check things out against God's word. I think other things I can think of, you know, that, that are really, you know, meteor uh, type discussions or things that we can look at in God's word, things that we can chew on is God, the creator, Jesus being fully man and fully God, the sin nature, uh, good works, the Lord's Supper, uh, symbolize, uh, symbolism of um, the Lord's body and his blood uh, through the, the bread and the wine, uh, drinking, uh, old man versus new man. Significance of, of Jesus' blood, the rapture, the second coming of Christ, um, the, the church uh, and state politics, uh, homosexuality uh, and, and immorality, divorce, resurrection, the millennial reign, tongues, predestination uh, and free choice, abortion. And I think all these things we can think of, and, and those are pretty, pretty deep subjects that that. You don't just get right off the bat. You have to, you have to kind of read God's word and, and look at several different places in God's word before you really understand them, you know, before you can really make a decision on them. And so I, th I think the people there at Corinth apparently weren't really paying attention too much when Paul was talking because I'm sure that Paul went over a lot of these things. He went over all, especially all the, all the things of, you know, uh, living in the flesh and living in the spirit. But anyway we realized that, that there was a lack of unity. Verse 5. 
What then, I'm back on First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was cro- causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. But he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are, not, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So, I like that verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. In other words, he and Apollos and, and, and Paul, and, you know, they, they were God's workers. They, they were there to provide the message, to provide the instruction. And what's it say? It says, you are God's field, God's building. Now, and I believe, uh, you know, when we, when we look into this, this chapter especially, a lot of it's talking about the church. A lot of it's talking about we as a group of believers, not necessarily just individuals, you know. And so you can look at this as the, the church is God's field and God's building. And so it, it reminds us that um, it's important for us to, to get along and, and for us to, to be of the same mind, to, to have the same um, uh, doctrine and that sort of thing uh, taught to us and uh, that we're all on the same page. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I think we all understand that. You know, when we get saved, Jesus is, is our foundation for life, right? You got to have that first. There are people that will try to build a house on sand, and, and we'll get there in a minute. But, you know, you got to have a foundation. Anybody who knows anything about building stuff knows you have to have a foundation. One time I built a tree house, um, and, you know, my dad supplied the lumber. And I, I don't know, I was probably eight years old or whatever. But a tree is not a good foundation because when the wind picks up, guess what? Each limb moves a little bit separately from the other, right? And before you know it, it's this, this nice little tree house becomes disconnected. And so I, I think of a, a love in, in building. It's so important to do it properly. You ever run across anybody who has built something and they just slopped it together? And you think, how can anybody be, be proud of that? You know, I mean, nails going every which way, bent over, and you know, uh, nothing attached very well. You know? I mean, you see that. And, and we, aren't, we aren't supposed to be that way, right? If, if we are a building of, of, of God's, then we want it to be right, right? We don't want something slopped together. We want it right. I think back uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13, um, I think it, it, it's a good, good uh, comparison uh, about the seeds. Uh, that day, uh, this is Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That day Jesus went out of the house, and he was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered around him. So he got in the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was staying at the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, uh, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the road, and birds came and ate them up. Others fell uh, on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered. Uh, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil, and it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. 
And then we jump down to verse 18. This is Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. So he's going to give an explanation of it now. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firmer root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises uh, because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth uh, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on, on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. He who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And we all realize that this is different um, looks at uh, what happens when, when the, the gospel is spread to people. And some people accept it right away, and some people, uh, you know, like it talked about here, you know, some people, they let it go. They, they, they can't handle it, they get persecuted or whatever, and, and, and they walk away. But I think, you know, when, when we think of it as a church, as a church group, and we think of what God has done for us, and we think of when this seed is, is, is sown on the good soil, and, I, and, you know, it says that we're in God's field and that we are God's building. So we are this field. We are this, this place that can cultivate and, and we, can, we can cause, we can help seed to grow, right? A church is a good place for the seed to grow. This is how we learn. This is how we, how we get our nourishment, right? We need, we need this fellowship together. We need this, this time where we can spend together and, and learn God's word and grow together. And I think of that, how it says, um, this is the man who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Now, when I was younger, I, I kind of felt this verse was talking about maybe the number of people that you might help bring to the Lord, and it very, very easily could be that. I also, as you look at this, I, I also kind of think of uh, uh, maybe this is almost a percentage, not, not really necessarily a, a percentage, but possibly kind of relates to a percentage of, of Christian character that you've gained, you know? Some, some start bearing fruit at a hundredfold. I mean, they have got that Christian character down, right? They are on fire for the Lord. They are, they are out there to, to tell people about the Lord and to, to spread the word and to, and to encourage others. Some, only, some, some are only at 60%. You know, yeah, they, they do it some, but, you know, not a lot, you know. And then there's some at maybe 30%. You know, may, maybe, you know, not really too ambitious about, doing anything, you know, in the church or, or uh, for other people, just kind of hanging out. And like I say, that's, that's my opinion. That's, that's just uh, something that I've kind of thought of uh, on this. But the main thing is we are here to bear fruit, right? We are here to, um, to build unity uh, as, a, as a group of believers. And I think, and I'm not bringing this up because I think there's a problem, because I don't. I think, I think uh, I'm happy with our church. I'm happy with our group here. I think we get along really well, and I think that we encourage one another, and I appreciate that. Um, all right, so here's another one. Jesus presented another parable to them. This is verse 24. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his uh, men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. 
But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the tares became evident also. Uh, tares are weeds. Um, the, the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your, in your field? How then uh, does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and, and gather them up? But he said, No, uh, for, a while you're, for while you're gathering up the, the tares, the weeds, you may uproot the, the wheat with them. Uh, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in, in bundles and burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. And we go down to verse 36 uh, to, to, uh, to see the explanation. It says, Then he left the crowds and went to the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the wor- world. And as uh, for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Verse 41, the son of man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteousness uh, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Why do I bring this up? It's because we know that in any church, in any group of people, you can always have somebody sneak in, right? There can always be somebody that can sneak in and really cause problems. I think we've all seen that. We've all heard about it. And a lot of times it'll split a church wide open, right? There are people that come in and for their own glory, for their own monetary gain, or for their own um, selfishness, whatever. They, they, they try to pull people out from hearing the truth to hearing whatever they want to say. And so we know that, that there are people out there like that. When we talk about the, the building, and I was, like I was saying, uh, we need a... Uh, good foundations in uh, Hebrews 11 verse 8 says by faith Abraham when he was called obeyed by going out to a place uh, which he was to receive for an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise as a as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise for he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God you know when we allow God to build our relationships together here, they'll be good. They'll be strong. When you think about what God does, you know, God has a plan. You ever, ever work with somebody building something and there is no plan? It, it drives me nuts because I, I at least want to have a rough idea. You know, how big is this thing going to be? You know, I have to have something. I can't just start taking boards and just start nailing them together and, and see what happens. <clears throat> Ever see some houses once in a while? You look at a house and you say, you know, that house has about 30 additions to it. You ever see that? You know, and it's like, I like to have a designer. I like to have a, a blueprint. I like to have something laid out. So, because you know what happens if you, just, if you just build on the fly? Guess what? A lot of times you end up with a lot of wasted wood, right? It gets pitched because, hey, it doesn't fit. So, he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You know, God, had, God is an architect. God 
plans it out. And if we just will be in his will in our lives, if we let him take control, if we follow his plan, we'll have a beautiful house, right? We'll have a, a, a great gathering here. We will have a great unity if we let God be God, not us. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them <clears throat> may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew <clears throat> and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. You know, I think there's three different types of teachers or preachers or evangelists. There's the truthful. These are the ones that bring God's word to you, and, and it's right out of God's word. And, and if you have any doubts, you can go back to God's word and, and, and look it up, and it, it matches. That's the truthful. Then there's the wishful. There's, there's people out there that preaching that wish God's word said something that it really doesn't say. And you can see that in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different churches. There's, there's some churches that are all about the feel-good part of it. You know, oh, God's, you know, God's good, and he, you know, he'd never hurt anybody, you know, and he'd never judge anybody or anything. You know, he understands, and you know, he's so loving that you know, he'll let anything go. That's not right. <clears throat> there's people who who want to focus on the tongues, on speaking in tongues. Or there's people who want to focus on uh, health and wealth or, uh, or ceremony. There's some people that just love ceremony, just love to be in churches where all, you know, have to have everybody's got robes on, everybody's got to do certain things in certain orders and all that. That's, to me, that's the wishful, the wrong emphasis uh, kind of evangelist or preacher. And then there's just the outright deceitful, evil, their, their God is their money, uh, that's, their, that's their appetite, their, or for their own, their own fames. So we see that there's truthful, wishful, and deceitful. Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of the household, uh, you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And like we said earlier, that's who we have to build our, our faith on. Our, our existence has to be built on Jesus Christ. If we don't have that first, then our foundation is, is of no value. It's, it's no good. Verse 21, In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling, with, into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I love that, being fitted together. You know, I, I think of, of, you know, like log cabins and that sort of thing, how they were, how they were fitted together. Well, when you make a, a block wall, you know, you have to fit the blocks together. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So we see that, there again, we see salvation is first. You've got to get that. And then we have to come to him as to a living stone, verse 4. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, 
but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is the for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. You won't be disappointed if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, will you? You know, that is life. He is life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a, choice, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, become, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. We see how important it is to, to live for Christ and to show, to show this world what living for Christ is all about. Verse 12, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be re revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And so we think of these things in these building materials. We think of gold, silver, and precious stones, how, how durable they are. But then we think of wood, hay, straw. And we think, wow, these are a little less durable, right? And so we also have to realize, you know, this is, this is actually talking about these, these preachers, these evangelists. What are they, um, what are they providing? What are they, what are they telling the congregation? And it says it's going to be revealed with fire. And so we realize that these preachers, these evangelists, will be held accountable for what they teach people. For how they for how they tell uh, people about about God, and we believe that's at uh, the judgment seat of Christ is, is where that will um, is where that will happen. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be re revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as as through fire. Now if somebody's preaching and and they, they are trying to do their best to follow God's word and they make, and they make a mistake or, or they, their emphasis is a little off or something like that. They're not going to lose their salvation for it, but they, they'll lose their rewards for, for not getting it right, for not taking the time to, to study God's word. Christ will take care of that at the, uh, at the judgment seat. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God uh, will destroy him for the temple of God is holy. And that's what you are. And that's, that's what um, we as a church, and individually, we are to be holy. We are to, to follow God's word. But also as a church, we are to do that. We're not to each one have his own separate little um, thoughts on how, how you get saved and thoughts on how to live 
the Christian life. We should be on the same page. If we really, if we all study God's word, we should be on the same page. All right, so let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Don't rely on your own wisdom. Don't, don't try to say, don't try to think that, you know what, I'm smart enough that I don't need God's word. I don't need God. I'm so smart that I, I'm my own God. I, I do my own thing and, and uh, I'll, I'll go to heaven just because I'm, I'm just so good. You know, that just doesn't fly, you know. It doesn't fly as an individual. It doesn't fly as a church. Our church has got to realize, all of us together, that we need to be humble. We need to realize that none of us are good enough as an as a individual or as a group. None of us are good enough to, to uh, please God on our own, you know. We've got to become humble and realize God's got this under control. God is the one that we should be honoring. He's the one that gives us the, the correct thinking. Wisdom of the world is foolish, foolishness before God, for it is written, he, who, uh, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death uh, or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. We see this very definite um, promise and this, this thing, this realization that the preachers work for the church, not the other way around, right? The, the, the preachers are, are, are nothing, just servants, just servants of this church and servants of, of, of God. All things belong to you. You know, you think of what we have in, in Christ Jesus. We've got it all, don't we? We, we, we really do, you know? We've got it all. We've got, this is life. You look at all the stuff that's going on in this world, you watch TV for, you watch the news, you know, for, for 10 minutes, and you'll be sickened, right? This is life. This is our, this is our uh, opportunity just to enjoy life. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, says this, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who uh, is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Boy, he certainly did. Verse 9. Now this expression, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. 
you know, this, this, this equipping is, you know, for the edification, for the growth of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which, stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children uh, or, you know, immature, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know, that was, that was what was going on there in Corinth. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You know, that is, that's unity, isn't it? You know, that's, that's what we are to be. And I, and I like I said, I, I really believe, uh, I really feel unity here in our church. And, um, you know, there's, there's people who have, who have been here and gone and stuff, and, and they, haven't, they haven't maybe felt that, that this is where they want to be. And, and that's fine. We feel that we uh, accurately present God's word here. And uh, I hope you guys all feel that way too. And what a, uh, what a good time of fellowship we can have here together. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this, tr- this time that we've had together. Thank you for your word. Help us to always compare everything that we hear and um, that people tell us. Uh, help us always to compare it to your word. Your word is truth. We realize that uh, we live in a pretty sinful world and, and this world needs the Lord Jesus. Uh, help us to be a, a, you know, shining lights to this world. Help us to, to show that uh, your word is truth and that we as a congregation uh, are in unity, that we are a place that can uh, be uplifting to people and, and that we can uh, have these, these same uh, uh, thoughts and, and uh, just enjoy this, the same uh, promises from your word and that we can be in fellowship together and that we can grow and be encouraged with each other. I just thank you for this uh, group of people and for each one here. We just pray that you would help us to live for you, help us to, to, to truly be a light to this world. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.